0: Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, the J10 Initiative. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Deacon Jacob here. And this is Father Mike. This is Catholic Stuff You Should Know. This is kind of awkward. This is the first time I've done a uh, a double back-to-back recording in a while. Oh, in a while. (laughs) We're uh, we're back here. Um, You probably heard... Well, it'll be funny if you hear this uh, this episode first because we haven't decided which one we're ordering. We record two episodes together, and uh, one of us takes lead, and then we post them. And they're also apart. not, um, yeah, they're two <laughs> weeks apart. They're not like back to back weeks. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know when this one's going to come out. If we'll do yours first or not, but it's awkward a we'll little get bit to them. because uh, we we chat and we're hanging out. We were talking, you were having lunch, and then we did our first episode. And then we talked between, got other stuff, liturgies, masses. Venmo. Whatever. Venmo. That's, Venmo's weird. Yeah. We decided. Venmo's weird that you can see what your friends are paying or getting paid for. Not that like, that's anything weird, but friends from high school I haven't talked to in 15 yeah. years. I think it's everybody <laughs> in my
1: contacts. So there's, there's people that show up there, and I'm like, I didn't know they were in my contacts.
0: And... I, I don't understand what those images
1: mean. <laughs> I don't I'm not sure why Vedmo thinks that I need to know House who paid what. Clown
0: face, football. I don't <laughs> yeah, I
1: don't spend too much time <laughs> trying to figure it out. Hey, I had this thought. What do we ever um we always say a prayer before we start recording yeah. on the podcast. Do we ever have that prayer included? I've I thought maybe it's maybe good, but yeah. it's also like this is not a this is not for um, public consumption or something isn't that I mean they're beautiful that prayers that's the thing
0: yeah. generally I mean that's fun we can uh, if you're if you just listen to our podcast on the Soto Voce prayers um then this is a little peeling back of how we pray before the podcast. Uh, if we decide to post this one first, you're going to get one next uh, in two weeks about the Sotto Voce prayers. That's right. <laughs> which are the um, the lowered voice prayers.
1: Or so, this is a preview. Yeah, either way. A little teaser. <laughs>
0: uh, but yeah, no, I, I always pray just that uh, God will send the Holy Spirit to be with us to speak what he wants uh, to be shared because... I need grace.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then sometimes for the intercession of Mary yep. or for the yep. saint of the day
0: or whatever. That's the the general scope of it. But I don't know if it's ever been
1: on. No, or. I don't. I, don't. I get it's self-conscious, yeah. to be honest.
0: Once, like, once the record button gets hit. Yeah. Then I kind
1: of am, am aware that I'm talking to you and whoever's listening.
0: Yeah. Not just praying to God. Right. Um, speaking of the Holy Spirit working, I've got a story for you. Ah. Just a fun little... Uh, Deacon on the Street story. Um, is that like the interview thing? Yeah, I should do that. Just go. <laughs> we should start Deacon doing Catholic, Catholic stuff, Deacon on the Street. Yeah. Let's start a YouTube channel for it. Um, let us know if you want that. Something that. Is that like a quiz show?
1: So you're like, <laughs> are you Catholic? Oh, hey, what do you think? Can you answer this question?
0: No. Um, I don't know if I if I brought this up or we talked about it. I think maybe at some point. Um, I preface way too many things with that. I apologize if you've heard that before. <laughs> but... I sometimes can feel a little uncomfortable in my clerics. Um, Multiple reasons for that. Uh, I'm not yet a priest. And that's, of course, what people will ask first is, are you a priest? I'm like, actually, I'm a deacon. (laughs) Yeah, And then they're like, Um, what is that? that?" So usually if somebody comes up like, hey, Father, it's great to see you in your clerics out at a restaurant or something. I'm like, thanks. God bless you. You know, (laughs) just let it be. Uh, But if they're like, are you a priest? I'm like, no. I've had people ask me for confessions. That's weird. Because then I really have to explain it. Um, I was more, well, it's good that you yeah. don't
1: do that yeah. and just roll with that.
0: <laughs> I was more uncomfortable as a seminarian, um, for reasons like that. And then we weren't like always wearing our clerics out and about cause we'd wear them when we were doing ministry, uh, whatnot. But generally if you were around town, you wouldn't just be wearing your clerics. Now as a deacon, it's kind of standard uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a good, there's a good element of that, a, um, an awareness of, Being a public figure, a public person in the church, uh, being a witness to God is in the world. Um, But it can be, you know, a little challenging or daunting at times. Um, Yeah. A lot of people have different ideas or views or respond varyingly uh, to seeing the caller. I was actually walking around Cap Hill here, and uh, I like to try and smile and say hello to people, whether I'm in my clerics or not. Right, yeah. Just because I think we don't have very much interaction outside of, like, the five friends we've decided to surround ourselves with anymore. And we're, like, scared of each other. I think this is still, like, a COVID hangover. Like, we're even more scared of the stranger now than ever before.
1: Yeah, and down here, a lot of people won't respond.
0: Yeah. Not everybody, and, but... And it's fine if they don't. But I like to say, hey, good afternoon, or smile, say good morning, whatever. And I've usually, taken to howdy. Howdy. <laughs> howdy, bub. Howdy. <laughs> but the, it's, it's whatever. Usually, I get good responses, but I... I had this one and and maybe I'm reading into it, but I had said, you know, good afternoon to this guy that was walking past me. And he kind of smiled and said, Oh, good afternoon, father. And I keep walking and there's a woman 30 feet behind him, same sidewalk. She's going to pass me within earshot of my little interaction. And she just kind of looks at me and then immediately crosses the street oh mid-street not at a side, not not crossway, it just immediately crosses the street and starts walking on the other side i'm like i don't know what that was yeah <laughs> i don't know if she just didn't want me to say hi if it had anything to do with the fact that i'm in clerics um, but that one was kind of weird i felt felt a little uh, and it's
1: not like that. you're a big guy crowding the yeah, sidewalk i'm not taking up so space. she's gotta maybe <laughs> i don't know maybe it's like um if the Mormon missionaries are coming your way and you're like, uh, nobody breathe. I I don't have time for this (laughs) or whatever it is. No offense, Mormon missionaries keep going or whatever.
0: (laughs) So that, that aside. And then I think uh, one of the things I experienced, this is just uh, I guess, confessional time. One thing that I've experienced since being a deacon is um, kind of that call to be public. And then that realization that I don't really have a private life. Um, Mm. I shouldn't, and I'm not really entitled to one. Uh, And yet there's kind of that temptation to just like, man, I just want to kind of relax and be anonymous. Mm -hmm. Um, And I could share other stories where I've failed at evangelization because I'd rather be anonymous. Um, Mm -hmm. Plenty of those. So uh, I preface with, this is not my normal everyday. I'm always great at responding to people uh, as I go into the story, but the story uh, I really appreciated earlier this week. I was meeting up with um, a young man. I was his sponsor into the church um, for confirmation at the Easter Vigil three years ago, I believe, uh, Kyle, and so we meet up every, so often, it ends up, I don't know, four, every four months or so, we kind of catch up and mm-hmm. see how he's doing, he's still working through um, finishing his college degree. Good luck, buddy. <laughs> but anyway, so I, we're meeting up, we we go to um, the Bush Brewery down on Colorado, and we're just catching up over lunch, and our uh, our waiter is kind of coming around, and I can't remember exactly the context of it, but I started getting kind of excited and I was kind of like just teaching on on the reality of original sin, the reality of sin in the world, the reality that like the doctrine of original sin and sin is the easiest doctrine to accept. You just look out your window and somebody's sinning. You look at two hours past and you were sinning. Like, yep. It's just, you know, there's disorder in the world and that we don't act the way that we should. We don't love the way that we should. Um, and there's disorder and broken relationship because of it. It's totally, how do you deny sin? I don't know, but we like to. Yeah.
1: Um, Unless you misunderstand what it is.
0: Fair. Hamartia. Hamartia. The mark.
1: Yeah. Um, and the fatal flaw.
0: <laughs> but anyway, the, the teaching on sin. I'm just kind of getting excited, and I said, and then the the world just wants to claim this universal brotherhood, like we can just force this happy we're all together type of thing. And I'm, I, tell, kind of, I was like, Kyle, kind of, what naturally makes people brothers? And he's kind of giving me some answers. They're okay, but it's not what I'm looking for. And then uh, I'm like, No, no, that's not it. And our waiter comes around, and the waiter goes. uh as I just grabbed him was like, oh, maybe he knows. Maybe he knows. Hey, just a second. And I said, like, hey, man, what makes people on the natural level brothers? And he just kind of goes, um, God. <laughs> and I said, no, you're just saying that because you see this collar that I'm wearing. He's like, well, no, that's what they taught me when I was growing up. <laughs> hey. I said, awesome. But why, why God? You're, you're not wrong, but why God? And I said, um, what makes people on the natural level brothers is common parents? You're a brother if you have common parents. So if humanity is going to be brothers, it's be only because they have a common father. Mm. Now, a little bit, you can do this with a fatherland. I mean, we have we have a nationality. There can be a brotherhood of, you know, the United States of America or of France or of Italy. There can be a yeah. brotherhood. But truly what, like... Or the French
1: Revolution fraternity.
0: Yeah, but even that, it's like we the the government the structure the yeah. and it doesn't it's really not enough and it doesn't share the passing on of, of blood really yeah whereas another another culture might call you comrade <laughs> comrade the Russians <laughs> um, God God is our Father because He is our common source mm-hmm. and we come from God as Creator who gives us life and sustains us in life that's why we can call one another brother. Mm. As human beings And we're getting that And I kind of explained this I'm excited about it or Did the guy accept it Or just squirm No No James he, he, Or uh, John It was John He goes Oh That makes way more sense I get why they said God That's cool <laughs> Oh nice So it was kind of cool It was whatever And so then he kind of Circles back around He's going to his other tables And he's uh, He's Checking somebody out At the um, uh, Cash register which is Near where we're sitting And he just kind of Turns around And he looks at me He's like Man I gotta tell you I um, I just made a priest joke like five minutes before you walked in and then you walked in and then I got your table.
1: <laughs>
0: and he's like, oh man. He's like, I walked in the back and I was like, All right, you win this one, God. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: right. Providence, <laughs> and, get and you.
0: So I, I just kind of smiled. I said, oh, what was the joke? Uh-oh. <laughs> and and he kind of like squirmed a little bit. <laughs> and I said, no, trust me, like I'm not going to be offended. But But what was the joke? And won't tell the joke, but. Because um, <laughs> you were <laughs> offended. I wasn't offended. <laughs> I don't want to offend anybody. Um, but a Michael Jackson song came on and it was kind of a pedofi- oh, see, pedophile joke um, yeah. with a priest. Low hanging fruit. And, it's, and, and I just said, you know what, man? It's really sad that we're in a world that priests have done such things that those jokes are around. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Totally. About it. I'm so sorry for that. And he just goes, yeah, man. Yeah. I'm a Boston Catholic boy. this guy he grew up in Boston, yeah. raised Catholic, the heart of the scandals that's hit, right right yeah. and I just I just looked at him I go, "Oh man, I am so sorry, you were right in the middle of it yeah. he, he says, "Yeah, yeah, and I could just tell there's pain there's pain in the voice, oh, there was yeah. sadness, there's betrayal because like, yeah, he grew up Catholic, and then also the church he knew i mean it is everywhere in the world in the u s but the church he knew had these atrocious sins uh, from clergy. And and I just said, you know what? You have every right to be frustrated and even more right to be deeply sad. And I was just able to say, like, I'm very frustrated. That's right. And I'm very sad. And I have to bear the weight of the sins of my brothers who mm. did that thing. And But I just bring that up because, like, that's it's just... I found it a beautiful moment of connection with him mm. where like, I don't know where he's at. We didn't talk too much more about faith after that. We you know, laughed about some other stuff, but um, just being able to meet him and just see the pain yeah. where that came from. But then also just like offer an example of like, yeah, I'm with you. I might yeah. be wearing this collar, but I'm with you. And so that's a know.
1: great reaction. It's a noble reaction. I can get defensive to be honest. Sometimes I'm, I give the kind of same response and other times i just feel like that's totally unfair there's thousands and thousands of great priests and good priests and um that those are exceptions by far so the jokes are stereotyping everybody's like this yeah and you wouldn't do that for teachers when they like Mm -hmm. publicized as this stuff but i think that's the right response and
0: and so my hope and was is true. This instead is of saying "there's good ones, there's good ones," I could just meet him as a as a brother. Yeah. And then he's like, "Oh, maybe they're not all that way." Hopefully, I, but I don't right. know where he's at. But all also, just like I said, that
1: acknowledging that is really because it's real, brotherly and real. Absolutely, where it came from. I I, I feel the same thing. I really and, do. The um, sadness, frustration. I get angry. <laughs> You know, and, and then I also will do penance and ask Mm. the Lord to have mercy and protect me from any temptation to any sin, you know?
0: Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a messy world out there and we're all, uh, dodging, dodging pits and traps and everything Mm. around every corner. Um, but I mention that with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is always at work. Yeah. He's always putting people in your way, good or bad. (laughs) <laughs> along yeah. your way or in your way but setting up a beautiful um, but, moment but like he's, that he's allowing and guiding. And so if we're, if we're ready and, and waiting and receiving and, and kind of in that place of, of prayer and contemplation and like, we can actually kind of receive mm-hmm. uh, and, and work with it. And so um, I firmly believe uh, the Holy spirit is, um, is working in our life uh, and assisting us. Yeah. At all times, which,
1: you know, in the acts of the apostles, cornelius comes to peter he's not a christian yet he's not you know baptized he hasn't had contact with the christian community but the holy spirit comes to him and says hey seek out this yeah. um this one who knows jesus and so i i'm with you and i think that's it's beautiful the hand of providence it's very mysterious mm-hmm. like how god uh organizes this stuff and why it doesn't happen all the time but it does when it does and um, but it's, it, it would be hard not to see the Holy Spirit in that situation.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I bring that up.
1: So shout out to you, John. Yeah. God bless you, brother.
0: <laughs> um, I bring that up for the topic cause I don't really have a specific topic. I want to do, uh, towards the end of this semester, I want to do a podcast with you like on the Holy Spirit, on, uh, the mission of the Holy Spirit, um, particularly in, in the church. Uh, that's kind of what I'm writing my thesis around, oh, yeah. So teaser that's coming. Yeah, yeah. The, the podcast on uh, Bishop Varden's book on chastity is coming. Uh, definitely got some. Give stuff. me a heads up got so I stuff read it for you guys. But yeah. um, today, I in light of Providence, um, I've got some some thoughts on the world and what God is doing, and how to interpret it um, from a couple different sources. Uh, stuff I've been reading or listening to. And so the first, um, have you read the book The World, the Flesh, and Father Smith?
1: Nope.
0: It is a um, Bruce... I believe it's Bruce... I'm going to look this up because I don't want (laughs) to... Okay. (laughs) Um, uh, Bruce Marshall, and he's a Scottish author who wrote the book The World, the Flesh, and Father Smith. Have you ever heard the quote... A man knocking on the door of a brothel is looking for God. No, this quote is often attributed to G.K. Chesterton,
1: but is Bruce Marshall? Bruce Marshall <laughs> from this book. Now, what? Um, when was this published? Is it a real contemporary thing?
0: Uh, so, it's written during or published during World War II. Okay. So he wrote this. World War II is raging. He's in Scotland. It's the whole. You know, all of. The United Kingdom is uh, rallied to fight off Nazi mm-hmm. Germany. But what's amazing in the book is it's the story of Father Smith, who it kind of begins, I can't remember if it's right before or during World War One, but right around there is where the book begins. Mm. And this priest, he's been a priest for a little while now. He's not just a, a new young priest. He's got experience. But it's in this world that is being torn apart, torn apart by the war that ends all wars or that should end all wars Mm -hmm. and everybody's talking about the hope for this this new revival of faith a new brotherhood in the world when this war ends we're really fighting this war is really like kind of a holy war in the end where we're we're gonna have I mean I guess that was some of the he's writing from memory he's writing from being in the context Mm -hmm. so that's some of the the narrative of like why we're fighting we always want a good moral for why we're fighting sure But then the book kind of enters into this phase post-war where the high ideals of supporting our troops and fighting for, you know, a more just and peaceful world kind of fall away. And it's more of the consumer-based, consumption-based, economic-based pursuits of the world are Mm. what fill everybody's mind and heart. And there's this tragic character.
1: Now, can I just ask, is this... um Fiction, historical fiction.
0: I'd say it's fiction. It's it's clearly okay. fiction. It's historically set in this time, but it's not about anybody specific. I see. Now, Bruce Marshall is Scottish author writing about Scotland, so he's there's history in it, uh-huh. um, but the stories and the interactions with the priests are fiction.
1: And Mister Smith is pretty general. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Father Smith. Oh, <laughs> Father Smith. <laughs> yeah. um, so anyway, there's there's this one character that I found really tragic. Um, he he's in the the war so i guess the book starts before world war one but then very quickly enters into that phase of like the war period and um at one point father smith is a chaplain out on kind of the main front in france of world war one and he meets one of the soldiers um is a young boy like 20 years old from his town his small town in uh, in scotland and he kind of gives him this hope that he's received from kind of the the PR buzz and his own bishop and other priests around him are talking about how what we're really fighting for is something more than this, you know, more than just fighting. And and so like be brave. And this
1: is the, still the kind of utopian vision.
0: Yeah, a little bit. And and so he's just kind of offering it to him because this this kid is it's terrified. He doesn't want to go face. Possible death or almost certain death sure. in this battle that's going to happen in like an hour, you know, mm. and there's this beautiful scene of Father Smith having you know heard all these confessions and and um having uh- ce- celebrated mass right before this battle we know is going to happen mm. and so then this is kind of his personal interaction with him, and then the battle begins, and you get some you know Father Smith goes and he's doing some anointings with some of the other characters and stuff it's actually it's really beautiful, but he kind of gives this this man this young man hope for what he's fighting for Mm. is going to pan out, uh, in, in the future, uh, this better, more just, more, um, faithful world. But then they get back and all all, all of a sudden the world's not at war. So all the, we're proud of you. You are awesome. You're, you're our boys, you know, support our boys out on the front. Um, and he's got like this distinguished, you know, metal from that battle and but mm-hmm. he comes back and, and he's struggling to find good work and nobody really seems to respect what they've done because, well, that was wartime. This is peacetime. And so we forget about, you know, all the people yeah. who didn't actually go to war start to be like, well, yeah, yeah. You're, I mean, thanks for what you did, but now we're in peacetime. We'll take over again type of thing. Yeah. Short memory. And then we fast forward a little bit more and and this guy, this kid, um, tries to, he's, he's gotten married and he tries to negotiate, uh, a little bit higher salary from his boss. And the boss says, nope, can't pay anymore, so you can take this or leave it. And so then this is the era, post-World War One, where a lot of labor unions started arising. You had communism uh, kind of rising in Russia. Um, you had a lot of labor force rising up and saying, like, mm. we want things differently. From many different um, perspectives, it wasn't all strictly communism, but you had you know, labor unions arising in the US and whatever, but they, the people were terrified of them and rejected them and kind of condemned people for them. So mm-hmm. this, this young kid, post-war, supposed to be this war hero, trying to make ends meet for his family, just married, tries to get a little more money. Boss says no. He tries to unionize his other employees. The boss gets wind of it and then just fires him. So uh, now, now he's out of work. And then we fast forward, and a little bit later he's you know selling anything he can on the street and they're living he and his wife kind of in in the slums of of the town and um, there's a scene where one of the more wealthy characters uh, invites Father Smith to this nice hotel and he's kind of looking out over the city and there's this kind of labor protest march happening mm. and the gentlemen sitting over at this table are like all condemning them oh if i was a worker i would be way more virtuous and righteous yeah, and i just i just do my work and all this stuff and um, there there's a week where most of the city was on strike and all the uh, the non laborers filled in filled the gap to keep things and they're punching tickets and keeping the railways going and stuff mm. like this and there's just this line of like yeah you know it's it's fun it's fun for the non laborer to go labor for a week <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's they don't actually understand the life of it um, so I don't know there's just that story arc and then the kid ends up um, uh, at the end he kind of gets in trouble with the law and whatever but um, that story arc was just kind of heartbreaking of we can like romanticize things and then condemn things so quickly mm-hmm. in a culture and this whole story um, does that,
1: father Smith speak any wisdom into it uh, there, he, he, you you said he, you don't understand that life or whatever.
0: Yeah. So father Smith, uh, what's beautiful. And this is why I love the book. And I think you could read it, um, from a priest perspective, but even just any Catholic, he's bouncing between so many worlds mm-hmm. as a priest. He's, you know, he's a pastor uh, he's a parochial vicar. Then he's a pastor. He has his relationship with his bishop. He has relationship with these other priest friends around. And there's like one priest who's, who's really into the liturgy. There's another priest who's kind of like the priest of the people, Um, a bit stereotypical, like archetypal characters, but so as to give this context of Father Smith just being in all of these worlds. Mm -hmm. And there's not like moral judgment being passed on on most of these. It's just, I think what Bruce Marshall kind of does, he just presents the absurdity of the world. Yeah. Of like, this is all going on. And people have different engagements and amounts of engagement or thoughts of things. But the priest particularly is in all of these different worlds yeah. where you're, you're with wealthy, you're with faithful, you're with unfaithful, you're with people who love the charitable works and services of the church. You're with people who love the liturgy of the church. You're with the poorest of the poor. You're with everything in between Yeah, and, and on a daily basis. And so I've talked enough. I don't know if I'm triggering any thoughts in your, well, your heart.
1: I mean, yeah, interesting, fascinating. I'd like, to, I'd like to read the book, The World, the Flesh, and Father, Father Smith. Smith. So, yeah, you, you're dealing with the fallen reality of the world and probably the best of it, too, it sounds like. And, yep. um, and then, and with the flesh, you mm-hmm. know, just like the. And
0: none of the characters, even the bad characters, none of them are like entirely vicious. And none of the heroic characters are like without their faults, and I, I really love it because it's kind of a human story. Yeah, it's way. true. So.
1: Yeah, and those things are complicated. I always go to scripture, of course, mm-hmm. um, and the flesh is like such a problem. In, for example, John's gospel and in Paul in Paul's work, and and at the same time, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And you know that that term is so complicated because at once it. It talks about the fall and our fallen weakness, our propensity to sin, our sinfulness, um our participation in evil, and then at the same time the nobility of of flesh and the dignity that we have as creatures uh, that God has made and then also redeemed and um and then the world is very similar, you know the world world can can come out the fallenness of human beings and seduced by the world. You're worldly. And and then at the other on the other hand, the world is beautiful. Mm-hmm. The world is a, a profound creation and the Points world is to a,
0: God and speaks of his grandeur. Yeah.
1: And it's the stage on which we carry out love and that received God's presence and God so loved the world that he sent his only son. <laughs> so yeah, the the complexity of that and then I would ask the question to you if did you find the book to be pessimistic, optimistic? It sounds like it has a, cre- a critique of naivete mm-hmm. and um, tries to delve into the, the fallen reality of the world and the confusion uh, in the complexity, um, but also maybe a sort of heroic character that you're following through all of that in this Father Smith who navigates it? Does he have his own kind of struggles or fall? He definitely has his
0: own kind of struggles and his own doubts. But the biggest struggle is for him, how is what the church says? How is what Christ said? How can can all of these sayings of Scripture, like you just mentioned, be fulfilled? Mm. And in broken people, in broken times, in a broken place, like because what he's pointing to is the world keeps kind of spouting these utopian worldly ideals mm. even the church at a time is kind of looking for the world version of the utopian re- sure. uh, resolution to these things even if it has the veneer of faith and what's profoundly optimistic in the book is at the end he finally he's like i finally realize that it is because of the cargo that the church carries So what is within the church, herself, at her core, what she carries, which is ultimately the divine mysteries, Christ become man, the Eucharist, the sacraments, the cargo that the church, we're thinking like a train, the cargo that she carries pushes out from the inside Mm. and fills the cracks. Mm. So this cargo that the church is holding is constantly filling the cracks of this sinfulness, this brokenness, and the poverty of means the poverty of spirit the poverty of charity the poverty wherever our poverty is uh it, it fills it mm. and i found that profoundly hopeful and beautiful reflection on what the church actually is so yeah. i love the book um and i think father smith is kind of this vehicle to see the world in its mess in its absurdity and in its beauty um it ends in world war Two. it ends in the middle of world war Two, um and I think it's, it was written there. So Marshall, the Bruce Marshall doesn't know the conclusion of World War II when he's uh, writing writing this book. Uh, and so he's saying which is also intriguing. In part
1: here's the reality, the world is fallen. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the disappointment that you're going to face in the fact that we we thought we had carved ourselves out of war. Yeah. and of conflict and people will get along if we get things ordered again. And then it falls into chaos again and um, and that same kind of provocation. And yet, now you know, presumably, I don't know, I didn't read it, but <laughs> that Christ is there, yep. that the church is there, and that grace is there yep. um, in spite of mm-hmm. war, I mean, horror
0: yep. and chaos. And for me, subjectively, it's just beautiful to see the story of this priest who's he's talented, he's got his abilities, but he's not like this... Super priest. Mm -hmm. He's not a terrible priest. You know, like Graham Greene's whiskey priest is totally about uh, like totally not great man through the grace of God actually still serves as a good priest and a good witness in the end, even though humanly he's very sinful. And then you've got, your, I don't have an example in mind, but you could do the flip where it's like the, the super priest who never makes a mistake and is awesome all the time type of like superhero guy. Yeah. I, I don't know where that would be. There's
1: but. another Monsignor Quixote of uh, Graham Greene, and it's a little more like that. He's The priest is kind of bumbling around, but he is like super virtuous and <laughs> um, he's kind of got all the wisdom every time
0: okay. you know around the corner. So then this guy, Father Smith, he's he's well-formed. He's got the right answers most of the time but then you kind of get in his mind and he's questioning he's like I know I gave the right answer but this I'm also questioning you know around this and he mm-hmm. doesn't have like an absolute surety of even that right answer that he gave and and so there's just a fun interplay of his inner life and then the the interactions you have so as my uh, reading that on my retreat was great because I'm looking at the priesthood and how, mm-hmm. you know, how to live the priesthood. And is this faithfulness day to day to the priesthood, these encounters that you're going to have, like I shared with the story, uh, with John, um, God's preparing us to have these encounters with people at all times. And how are we going to respond? Are we going to mm. trust him? Which brings me, the whole reason I bring this up is a, um, compelling pithy statement. I, uh, heard from one of our, our professors, um, who said to me that self-help is the heresy of our day. What do you think of that? Self-help
1: is the heresy of our day. Uh, Well, first thoughts are insofar as it becomes the salvation of of humanity and the salvation of ourself, it is um, going to impede our confidence in grace and the need for grace and our um, the profundity of the gospel message so heresy if heresy is teaching something contrary to the gospel and the deposit of faith then i could see how you might say you know self help is the rejection of the need for god or um, the the power of God Mm -hmm. in replacement, by with our own strength and our own uh, agency and uh, our need for God. On the other hand, I don't know that self-help is terrible. (laughs) I mean, it's good to pay attention to virtue and try to act as good as we can and take care of balance in our life. And I think of, there's a lot of um, a lot of young men, especially, who are paying attention to like a Jordan Peterson. Here's some rules for life, and yeah. it's self-help, but it's also uh, helpful. Grace builds on <laughs> nature, so if you can get some order in your life, you, there's
0: uh, more something of a window of grace, right? Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking on it, and and I think that's what this professor was intending. Mm. Um, it was intended as a shock statement, right? Right, <laughs> because it's so prevalent. Self-help books are selling everywhere. Oh, yeah. like Probably the top genre. Audible, like the thousands and thousands of self-help books that you can read. This way, that way, this cultural wisdom, that culturalism, how to do this, how to organize this, how to to gain more, how to simplify your life. All these things are Mm. self-help. There was a a critique of self-help that I read, and it was kind of like a satire of self-help book, but it was basically the thing with self-help is it's clearly not working because people keep buying more of them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Touche. Um, but to your point of, of what, what do we mean by this? I think, from the lens of self-help, meaning I am the one who can help myself Mm -hmm. and AKA save myself. If I just get my system right, if I just get my diet right, if I get my workout right, I get my schedule right, I get my program right, I get everything right. That's right. I will be perfect (laughs) and I will have my perfect, beautiful life. Um, And it's a bit, uh, it's a bit materialistic, but even you get the guru, like uh, there's a lot of talk of meditation, uh, daily gratitude type stuff. Um, which is like, all right, great. You've got certain good virtues. I, I think of um, G.K. Chesterton in orthodoxy. He says, like, in modernity, um, the yes, we have untethered vices into the world and let them run free. Mm. But he says the greater, the greater uh, error. This is paraphrasing, but the greater error is that we have untethered virtues mm. because virtue, virtues hold together amongst themselves and interpenetrate themselves. Mm-hmm. So temperance and charity and prudence and justice are all working together at all times. So to grow in one virtue is to grow in all virtues. Um and so he says in a pithy way kind of a critical we have untethered the virtues. So think of like horses together pulling a carriage. Yeah, and now you good, now you take analogy. you take apart uh the the yoke on the horses and let the horses run wherever they will. Well all that power that was in the virtue is now sprinting off in random directions and your carriage is going nowhere. Mm. And so I think a lot of the self-help comes from the ancient tradition of the world. But yeah, it's un- I mean Aristotle,
1: eudaimonia, happiness is mm-hmm. when you get your stuff together and you have balance <laughs> in your life and the the right moderation, you know, virtue as a means and if you can put it all together. But who does?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Anyway, we can, we can focus on a certain virtue. Uh, we can focus on even just practices are our virtue, like discipline itself isn't inherently a virtue, right? You can be a disciplined, uh, tyrant, tyrant. Yeah. Right. Um, but we, we focus on these things and it's to help myself, to raise myself up, you know, to, to become better. And, and I laugh a little bit and and this is going to sound judgy, but I listen to some of these gurus about their perfect life and their perfect schedule that they're presenting on YouTube or whatever, or in their book. And I look at their life though. And I'm like, yes. And what is it built around you? Mm. You are at the center of all of this, your family, your wife, your job, everything else has to fit into your program, your schedule, your way. Mm. And it breaks this. It it makes yourself a deity, makes yourself the center of the world. Mm. And it actually now situates your family, your relationships, In this orbit around you, in your pursuit of personal perfection and self-help. That's my negative judgment. Yeah, what about the book that's Help Others? (laughs) Forget yourself, help others. Orient your life to... Service entirely. So that's my, my negative. Hopefully I haven't ticked off everybody yet. That's right. Um, but that, that's my All negative. All you self-help <laughs> authors out there. My, my negative. Yeah. What, I went after a true crime the other day. Now I'm after self-help. <laughs> Who will I get next week? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but. Tear it down. You're a punk. So I think that's, <laughs> I think that's what uh, he was trying to get at with self-help is, is the heresy of our time. It, it's an idolatry of self. And it's a rejection of God as the one who gives us the grace, who helps us, ultimately. Uh, we are helpless in sin and death without the grace of God. Mm. Without the incarnation, without the passion, death, and resurrection, we are helpless. What's the good news? And this what you're Give getting, it to me. What you're getting on the other side of this is— We need a response to the wild, wild <laughs> horses. What is, um, What is discipline? What is practice? What is ultimately— Uh, the Greek uh, Mm ascesis where we get the word asceticism. These are similar practices, right? Of all of the self-help have virtues and disciplines and practices of training. And that's the Greek word. Ascesis is a training Mm. of the body. And so when Paul talks about uh, the athletes who train for a failing crown, Mm. I think of the self-help book, Separated from any ultimate end, but what does he then tell us? Do that. Yeah. Train. Trains was to run to win the race. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because your crown is an eternal crown that will never fade, and so I just want to. And the difference is the end. Mostly, the, it, well, it's, it's the end and then the unity of the virtues you're practicing themselves. So, mm-hmm. like, I, I see some people get like, I am going to increase my uh, productivity over the next year. And they find all these productivity systems and they're like, they're not learning anything new. They're not building any relationships. It's all about their productivity and, mm. and they can measure it. And then the next year, they're like, oh, now I'm going to practice. I'm going to build the perfect morning routine. And I just see like they're jumping from like one, can I, can I, discipline myself into this practice, but it's always kind of isolated and it's kind of temporary Mm. because it's, can I do it? Great. What's the next thing to do now? Yeah. Whereas this, this virtue, which holds together, the horses are tethered together. Each virtue unites and strengthens the other and pulls the carriage forward towards the end actually keeps you moving towards the end.
1: Yeah. And so, and if you say, right. If you say, I want to be holy which is love of god and love of neighbor with everything in you and in everything then having that even as a proper end you can you can't really drive in that direction unless there is integrity and coherence of yeah. the virtues
0: acting together and sometimes by the grace of god through that uh, training yeah and so i just want to re-resituate our thinking of uh, new year's resolutions of self-help, of personal growth, which are all, I think, good and fine things, but under, under the lens of not necessarily self-help, but of asceticism, which has taken a bad rap because we think of asceticism as like severe, rigorous, like self-disciplines because I hate the body. I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of the, the flavor it's taken on. But asceticism, as St. Paul says, is truly this practice of virtue, this practice of discipline, this training of the body and training of the soul for the ultimate end, which we know. And so I just offer that to anybody who's listening, anybody who might be thinking of looking at that kind of paradigm between aesthetic training of the spiritual life and just self-help so that I can kind of have a happy or uh, satisfied or productive successful, or you know. successful life. Like what are, we, what are we really trying to build towards?
1: Yeah, and it's a good time, opportune, with everybody like myself failing in our New Year's resolutions. <laughs> Already. That were, you know, there at Barnes and Noble trying to figure out how mm-hmm. to scrap and st- stay on track with the self help. The I think of St. Ignatius has spiritual exercises. He was mm-hmm. very kind of military with his thought, not in a, I don't know, violent or aggressive way, but just in training. It was really important for the young Christian who's trying to serve the Lord and preparing themselves for the um, the mission. Mm. But his exercises are all meditations on the life of Christ, trying to grow in friendship with God and in love of God, and really are a school of humility where you're not learning to conquer everything. You're learning to accept who you are and come to know yourself and then being able to offer yourself as you are to the mission and the glory of God uh, without the naivety of saying, I'm going to spend years and years perfecting myself before I can take the next step,
0: which is yep. your mission. You mm-hmm. know? Cause you won't, yep. you, you won't ever get there. Cause you take that step where you are and you're growing through your own efforts and you're growing because God is constantly infusing and giving and bestowing grace through the sacraments, through just your seeking him, through your saying his name, through reading his word. And so I return to the novel in context now. Can we make this world? Can we fight this war and build the Mm. utopia? No. God needs to do that. God Mm. needs to bring the new Jerusalem. God needs to bring salvation. God is the one who is the author and Lord of history. So there's a solution to that. Okay, I'm going to do nothing and wait. No, it's present and active engagement of the priest recognizing that he is bringing God into the world through the sacraments because the church holds this cargo, the truth, divine mysteries, and they're filling the cracks as we go. Mm. And Or the bark, the bark of Peter, the boat. You know, the cargo in the boat <laughs> yeah. is filling the cracks and keeping it from sinking, mm. uh, another analogy. And so I just, that interplay of like, we're, we're not going activistic where I can make my own salvation, but we're not going quietistic where I don't need to do anything. There's a true asceticism in humility, receiving grace, being spurred on uh, that I'd just like to offer everybody. Yeah, and... The power and the provision of
1: the Holy Spirit, I'm very convicted and I'm frequently preaching to myself and and to others about being able to open your eyes to see God at work in the world, both the providence of the Holy Spirit and then the kind of inner workings of the Holy Spirit so that you don't miss God at work with the waiter and or cower in order, knowing your own limits and saying, well, I have nothing to do or say, instead of taking confidence in the Holy Spirit that God can do what I can't do, and both kind of outside in the world and then internally with uh, with my own, I don't know, cooperation with grace rather than effort is kind of the wrong <laughs> word, right? Um, so, yeah, that's that's beautiful. You got me wanting to read this book and... Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a great so, reflection. Something I, to think on. I think, uh, it's, it's convicting. I mean, it's helpful because I do have these resolutions and they're flailing a little bit, <laughs> but just to remember, I've got the Holy Spirit and, um, that the Holy Spirit will both direct this to my proper and me and my action and my life. And then also, um, Kind of give the insight the gifts of the holy spirit are directed at helping us to you know really s- pursue virtue and grow in virtue and receive the virtues from god and um, cooperate with them hmm. amen brilliant thank Be you father you. smith thank you bruce
0: <laughs> bruce marshall bruce marshall and uh, father smith are our, our gallant hero uh, of the novel uh in light of humility right? Um, received an email with a correction from a dear listener Uh, it says I recently discovered the show and I love it quick correction though Jane Austen is not all caps (laughs) not Victorian on two episodes that I've heard like from Light and Barbie you guys keep calling it Victorian and it isn't I'm not even an Austen fan but it's pretty annoying Uh, (laughs) I believe she's from she says she's from from Great Britain Britain, Um, yeah uh, so like Bruce Marshall. Yeah. Also, side note: one of the fathers said he didn't like British stuff. <laughs> Example: Austin. I think Father John's come around when he finished the book. He actually enjoyed. Uh,
1: that was me. British.
0: Oh, that you, you no. said it. Okay, oh, sorry. Well, whatever. You think? Uh, is there a name? Yeah, I'm getting that. Okay. <laughs> um, suggested rides I've visited: loads of other British literature, films, TV, which is amazing, especially the comedy. Way better than American. <laughs> okay. So we <laughs> used to watch. Uh,
1: my brother liked. Are you being served? So I hate to pile on, but even the comedy. And what's that Holy Grail
0: guy? Uh, the Monty Python. Monty Python. <laughs> <laughs> Not a big fan. Not um, really, but, you know. <laughs> but so she, she gave some suggestions I might give you. But I, I really appreciate this. It's cheeky. She's got her own British humor in here. I love the true listener. It's from Susanna. So I want to apologize. Susanna, I am an ignorant yank. <laughs> that makes two. I got. I got to admit, I'm totally wrong about Austin. It is. Uh, it is the Regency era, the end of King George III's reign, the Georgian reign, and I, it makes total sense now that you bring it to my attention. that yeah, Elizabeth, Elizabethan is under Queen Elizabeth, and then you've got like a Georgian era and a Victorian era, da 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 da. And uh, in my ignorant yankness. I um, I think of English history as uh, the mythical time of King Arthur, (laughs) and then we have like the heroic English Catholic time, and then Thomas More, yeah, and then and Beckett, Mm -hmm. and then we have Protestant England. And after King Henry, we have Elizabeth in England until the modern time. Yeah. So I apologize for my wildly reductionistic history. So I just put Jane Austen in the uh, post-Henry, pre-World War II, and not anymore. (laughs) And I apologize, but I've been corrected. I am humbled. Uh, Consider this an apology. Thanks for the correction. Thanks for listening. Hope you're having a good time. Sorry, Susanna.
1: And I love G.K. Chesterton. Yes. Praise God, him today. Uh, and John Henry Newman, among others. Uh, I want to shout out this um, anonymous Catholic artist who sent me some stickers that um, she drew up. Uh, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure. I think she said that she didn't need her name or want her name on the thing. Um, this was already maybe nine months ago, something like that. But she has, uh, there was like a kind of cool stylized Pier Giorgio, and then this wild uh, Our Lady of Sorrows, where it's like embroidery, and it's like Tim Burton-esque, and one of the wilder things you'll see, and I think it's so quirky and um, unique that i stuck it on my phone so it's on my phone and it gets a lot of attention people say what is that i get to delight in it along with them so um if i had your name i would promote your art but uh i respect the humility of saying um that you can remain anonymous and just a shout out to you because i think you're cool awesome send me more
0: catholic stuff podcast at gmail.com reach out let us know what you think if you've got any ideas uh, or just want to say hey thanks for listening god bless
1: long live the king